Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, March the 22nd, 2022. It is currently 9.43 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, if you've been a Bible student for any length of time, I mean, for any length of time, you are very aware that there are times you're reading and studying your Bible and you come across a passage of scripture that you're just like, what do I do with that? I see that maybe it means this, maybe it means that, and maybe you don't even know what to do when you come across a difficult passage of scripture. You you may not even know what to do. And then you'll think, okay, I don't know what to do, but clearly all these people who write commentaries, they know what to do. So you'll go out, maybe you'll buy. Okay, that's an outdated reference. You don't go out to buy anything. You hop online and you buy a couple of commentaries and maybe you download them for your Kindle. Maybe maybe you find uh, commentaries online or maybe you order them and they arrive at your house and finally you open up three, four, five commentaries. You're like, okay, this is going to help me fix this difficult passage of scripture. I'm going to understand it. And after reading four or five commentaries, you realize that now you have 30 different ways of interpreting the passage and you may just be like, I don't know what to do. I give up. Well, what I want to do this evening, briefly, we may talk about this again. This may be just kind of like, just kind of bringing the subject, this may be just introducing these concepts to you, and then we can talk about them a little bit more in detail. But what I want to do this evening, this kind of this late night episode of the Theology Central podcast, is I want to look at six wrong ways to approach difficult Bible passages. All right, I I want to look at six wrong ways like, look, I'm not, I'm not here tonight to tell you the right ways to do it. I'm here to tell you the wrong ways. Like, here's, here's a difficult passage. Here's the wrong way to handle it. Now, I've got six in front of me, thanks to an article that was published today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use a little bit of what they have to say, and I may change it. They may give six. I may end up giving three. They may give six. I may end up giving you 16. I, I don't know how. I, so if you're, if you can take notes, take notes, because uh, I'm doing this impromptu, so I may forget all of the points that I give, and I may need to see your notes when we do a follow-up on this, okay? But someone just said that they've been there. We've all been there. We've all been there. I'm there every every week. I'm there. Oh, we're, we're getting ready. I mean, we're working. We're getting, we're, we've started our verse-by-verse journey through the book of Jude. There's going to be t- a time and time again. I'm going to be like, I don't know what to do there. I don't know what to do there. There's. I, I, I'm, we're working through the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 9. Oh man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be constantly saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. All right. So here are six wrong ways to approach difficult Bible passages. All right. Here are six. Now I'm not even going to look at the article right now. I'm not even going to look at the article. I'm just going to ignore the article. I'm not going to read the introduction to the article. It's here on my iPad. I'm going to ignore it. Because here's what I want to put down as number one. Here's my number one thing. Never do this when you're facing a difficult passage of scripture. Or, or no, I'm no, let me see. Let me, let me state it this way. Okay. Okay, I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to tell you what, what to do. Okay. Here, here's what I don't want. Here's a wrong thing to do. I'm getting ready to tell you, don't do it. I guess 
by default, that's what I'm telling you. Hey, here, I'm going to give you the wrong ways to do things, but obviously I'm telling you not to do them, all right? So the first wrong thing to do when you come across a difficult passage of Scripture is to look back to any studies you've ever done on the passage before or to look at any previous sermons you've heard. Don't ever rely on... If you want to do it the wrong way, go rely on your past notes. Go rely on the the past things you've been taught about the passage. When you come to a difficult passage, the wrong thing to do is to go, wait a minute. I think I heard a sermon on this back in, you know, 2005. Let me find those notes. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, that's the right interpretation. Don't do that. Wait a minute. I studied that back in, you know, 2007 in a small, oh, here's my notes. Don't do that. Do the wrong, the number one wrong, I'm going to put this as number one. Maybe it will stay my number one, but right now I'm just saying number one because this is what I'm starting with. I'm not saying it's the most important, but please know the wrong way, the, the, the wrong approach to a difficult passage is to rely on past understanding, past interpretation, past study, past sermon, past anything. Past study is of no value and interpreting a passage today. I, 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 whenever I say that, people give me, they give me these looks like I'm, I'm, look, I, I'm, out of, I'm out of my mind, but I'm not. Because guess who studied that past passage in the past? You did. And guess what I know about you? You're fallible. Guess what I know about every pastor you listened to when you learned about that passage of Scripture in the past? They're all fallible. Guess, guess what I know about all of the commentaries you read in the past about that passage? They're all fallible. So the only way to ever correct past misunderstanding is new study. The only way to fix past wrongs is new study. Well, you don't, you're not doing new study if you're relying on past information. The number one wrong way to approach a difficult passage of Scripture is to rely on past information, past interpretation. Once people, if, if people learn anything about a difficult passage of Scripture, the very next time they come to it, guess what they'll do? They just rely on what they've heard in the past. There's no growth. There's no challenge. There's no movement forward. There's no correction. It's like, that is, I don't know why people by default do that, but don't do that. Don't do that. That's why sometimes, sometimes I'll get an email from someone, right? I'll get an email from someone and they'll be like, Wait, you're, you're studying that uh, today in your episode, you're studying this subject. You realize you just studied that like a year ago and you didn't even come close to saying the same thing because I don't go back and look at any past notes. Like we're studying Romans right now. If 10 years from now, I start a new series from Romans, guess what? I'm not going to rely on one sermon I preached or one note. None of it. None of it. All of it is. But the minute I'm done with preaching a a section of scripture, the next day, you know what that sermon is worth to me at that that time? If I'm getting ready to study the passage again, absolutely nothing. You know what those notes are worth? Absolutely nothing. Nothing I did yesterday is of any value today when I study the passage again. Now, that past study benefits me all the way until I study it again, right? But even when I hear someone else preach it, I don't rely on my past understanding. I set that that aside and listen to the way they present the text. And then I'll be like, hmm. Now, in my mind, I may be, I've already studied this and they're wrong. 
But guess what I try to do? I try to go back and listen to it again, think about it again, restudy it. Maybe I come to the same conclusion. There's, you're still wrong. But at least I'm not relying on past understanding. The wrong way to approach a difficult Bible passage is to ever rely on anything you learned in the past. I could just stop right there because I think that that's such an important point. Now, I, I know some of the people listening right now, you've been a part of the Bible study exercises. You've heard me give you this point a million times. So I know what you're saying. Come on, give me something new. Come on, tell me something I don't already know. I understand. Okay, maybe I can, maybe I can give you something new. So here, I'm going to go re- reach over here now. I'm going to pick up the article, right? I'm going to pick up the article. Six wrong ways to approach difficult Bible passages. Here's what they have to say. And I quote, it doesn't take long for a Christian who's studying the Bible to come across challenging passages. When we do, we should always remember the basics of interpretation, looking for the author's intended message, reading it in context with the whole of scripture in view, even consider how believers throughout history have interpreted it. Okay, those are all some good things to do. But following the, those principles isn't, but following those principles isn't enough. There are still common mistakes we can make when we study or seek to teach from a difficult text in the scripture. Here are six ways we easily go astray when approaching such passages. All right, they're going to give six. I'm going to say what they have to say, and then I'm probably going to change it and completely modify it. All right. But again, number one, I'm going to go through their six, but my number one is relying on past. Rely on the past. You're you're guaranteed uh, failure in the present. It's just, it's just, that's the way it works in in hermeneutics. It's the way it works in Bible study because we're fallible, 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 fallible. Right. So here's their number one. Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to avoid hard texts. You don't want to avoid them. One of the things people do is when there's a hard text, they just kind of avoid it. They say, well, there's so much disagreement about it. And they just kind of skip it. I'm going to modify this a little bit. I think one of the major things we cannot do when we face a difficult text is to avoid it but in the following way. So I'm going to, they're going to say avoid it. I'm going to mention a number of ways I think people avoid it. Number one, we avoid the hard text because we won't just acknowledge and admit this passage is a mess. This raises 9,000 questions. There's 25 million different interpretations. And we're, we're afraid to acknowledge that it doesn't make any sense. We're afraid to, to acknowledge that it raises all kinds of difficult questions. It's like you're not supposed to do that. And, and the reason... Many in the pew don't do this is because those in the pulpit, they, t- they love to say, lots of people think this is difficult. It really isn't that difficult. It's really quite simple. I hear people do that with the book of Revelation. So many people act like this is so complicated. It's really not. Or they, they will tell you that it's complicated and then try to demonstrate to you in their preaching that really it's quite simple. It's, it only takes three points and 35 minutes, and we'll be done with this passage and never have to worry about it again. There, there's lots of ways people avoid it. Some just skip it. Some will just not acknowledge all of the problems and all of the questions. That is a wrong way to approach it. When I come to a difficult passage, I will just say, look, there's times I've, I've stood by the pulpit and like, I don't have a clue. I have no idea. I don't know what in the world this is. I don't know what to do with it. It's problematic. It raises 9 million questions. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what to do. 
And I'm like, and, and I'm, hey, sometimes we may spend an hour working on it. And when we're done, I'll, I'll be like, I still don't know what to do. Now, some people say you shouldn't do that. Why? I, I, are, are we scared of not knowing? Are we scared of questions which we cannot answer? Are we scared of acknowledging that sometimes Bible passages are confusing? Are we scared to, to, to read passages and acknowledge all of the philosophical problems that arise from it? You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, that sounds so good, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When he created, did he know everything that was getting ready to happen? Did he know that there was going to be Satan? Did he know there was going to be a fall? Did he know? Did he know that there was going to be sin and rebellion and murder and rape and hunger and starvation and war and famine and plague? Well, why would he create it knowing all this was going to happen? And didn't he have the power to stop it from happening in the first place? I mean, now there I got like 8 million questions. But was, no, no, no. So people, so what some people do is something that's actually hard. They avoid it by skipping it or making it simple or just avoiding all of the difficult questions. That's of no value to anyone. That doesn't help. This is what they have to say in, in regards to avoiding hard, uh, hard texts. The most common approach to difficult text is to avoid them. When we come across a problematic passage, we might prefer to focus on the verses that are more accessible or understandable. But avoiding these texts doesn't make them disappear. Eventually, you or someone you love will want an explanation. For teachers, if you consistently side sidestep difficult passages, it can look like you have something to hide or that you don't have confidence in God's word. After all, people may stop looking to you for answers because they assume you don't have any. Ironically, pastors often avoid hard topics because they don't want to lose people. But that's the likely result if we shrink back from declaring all of God's counsel. All right? So they say some people just try to skip them, sidestep them. I think we avoid them in different ways. We avoid them by pretending they're not that hard, or we avoid them by not really dealing with them in a meaningful, in other words, we'll deal with them, but we don't acknowledge all of the problems that the verse presents to us. Sometimes I'm just like, I, just, I don't buy it. I have no clue. I don't know. And, and I know some people would tell you, see, but if you do that, the people are going to lose confidence in you and they're not going to trust you. Well, you know what? If that's what happens, that's what happens. But why sit there and, like, if people lose confidence in me for being honest and struggling with them with a the text, then look, go find someone who supposedly has all the answers. Typically, the people who supposedly have all the answers, all they're doing is pretending. Because if all you have to do is take five minutes to look up, like, ten commentaries and realize nobody has an answer. That's why I'm always telling people, go look up. I do it all the time in the Bible study exercises. Go look up five commentaries. I always tell people to look up multiple commentaries because I want you to see the disagreement. All right, so that's number, so number one, you rely on the past. Number two, you avoid it. And either by skipping it, by pretending that it's not that hard, or by just avoiding the difficult questions, right? The next, exaggerate their significance. That's an interesting idea. Do some people mishandle difficult passages of scripture by exaggerating their significance, all right, I'm, I'm going to read what they have to say here because I don't quite know where they're going. I think I know where they're going, but I'm not quite sure here. So let's, let's consider this, all right? Exaggerate their significance. As I recently prepared to teach from 1 Timothy 2, 
One of the most controversial chapters in the Bible, okay, this is what they said, is I recently prepared to teach from 1 Timothy 2, one of the most controversial chapters in the Bible. I was struck by Paul's primary command, urging prayer in the church. This focus is often obscured by the most more controversial aspects of the chapter. Yet if we spend all of our time thinking about a Christian's relationship to government or women's role in the church and never address our calling, posture, and purpose in prayer, we've missed the main point. We've made the reader's questions and concerns preeminent. All right, so, all right, I think this is what they're trying to say. I mean, you may already understand what they're trying to say, but I'm I'm just going to state it in a different way. So a wrong approach is to exaggerate their significance. So here's what can happen. You have a passage of scripture and there's something complicated there. And everyone will go crazy about that, that subject. And people want to debate that subject. Everyone has their view and they go, fight, 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 fight. Sometimes what you have to do is like, yes, the controversy is there. No one can deny that. But sometimes, and I tried it, I tried, I've tried to teach everyone this hermeneutical principle over and over. Whenever we find a difficult passage, we step away from the difficulty. We look at everything that we can around it, near it, and it itself that seems to be clear and obvious. And we grab onto that because we can stand there. Like that's building the foundation we can stand on. Then in a sense, we start climbing the ladder to this crazy controversy and difficulty. And whenever we kind of get lost in all of that difficulty, in a sense, we can just drop off the ladder and fall back down on that safe and secure foundation that we know, okay, Yes, I don't understand that, but here's something clear in the passage. Like, I don't get that. This is clear. I don't get that. This is clear. And what they're saying is sometimes we get so focused on what's not clear and controversial that we miss what is actually obvious in the passage. That's why I always tell you before you try to interpret a controversy, you have to do observational study so that you can at least observe what is clear. We did, we did that today and talking about the mark of the beast. I went to Revelation 13. I'm like, what's clear here? What's clear? Like, there's a lot in Revelation 13 we may not be able to agree on, but we can agree that, well, this seems to have to happen, then this, then this, and this, then the mark of the beast. So if I'm going to start worrying about the mark of the beast, I have to see all of these other things happen first. That seems obvious and clear in the text. And that's, if if we understand it in a very literal way, that that would be true. So I, I tried to point out what is clear. So I think sometimes we can, in a sense, exaggerate the significance of of a complication, or we can just become so focused on the complication that we miss what is obvious. And all we walk away sometimes is frustrated and confused. I think that's a good point. They go on to say, but there are other ways we can easily exaggerate a text's significance. I found that some Bible teachers are are theological ambulance chasers. They're eager to turn minor issues into major crises, then offer themselves as a a courageous advocate for the truth. But not every confusing passage should rise to the level of church controversy. Some issues do not threaten the gospel or our salvation. Okay. I kind of see what they're saying. That it's easy to take every little thing and go, this is so confusing and complicated, but everyone stay calm. Dun, da, dun, da, da, I'm here and I will make it simple. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey guys, this is absolutely crazy and confusing, 
But I don't think you should be like, dun, 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 I'm here. Because in most cases, you're just one voice of a million who've tried to figure out the passage. So just acknowledge that nobody really knows and we're going to try to figure it out together. There's nothing wrong with pointing it out. Now, I get a little nervous where they're like, well, you know, not every controversy is, is, is significant when it comes to, say, salvation. Okay, that may be true, but it's in God's word. And we need to study all of God's word. Because all of God's word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instructing a man, the man of God in righteousness, or instruct, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished okay, unto every good work. That, that, so I don't, I, I do agree that some can exaggerate it and then make themselves the hero that they've got it all resolved. But that goes back to them pretending it's not as, they, they exaggerate the complication only to make it look like they've got it all figured out. That bothers me to no end as well. But I, I, I want us to realize it's perfectly okay to point out how complicated the passage is. I don't think that's exact. They, they may think, well, you're exaggerating it. You're making it a bigger deal than it is. No, I think in many cases it is a big deal because it's God's word and we're confused by it. So I don't think pointing out how confusing it is is exagger- exaggerating it. And I don't think simply minimizing it because it doesn't reach the level of salvation, I don't think that's helpful as well. I think we have to acknowledge it and deal with it. Um, I do agree that we should not so exaggerate its significance that we miss what is obvious in the passage. We always need to figure out what's obvious in the passage, all right? So there's exaggerate its significance, right? Um, Oh, we just may do three right now, all right? Number three, Assume correct interpretation is simple. Assume correct interpretation is simple. Now, I've already kind of mentioned this, but a lot of people do this all the time. And I, and I believe that number three really is a way to avoid the text. I believe it's a way to avoid the hard text. But a lot of people just assume correct in- interpretation is simple. Maybe, maybe they're going to distinguish it a little bit, but... You can never assume that there's a there's a uh, that correct interpretation is just simple or that it's just easy. You, you can't do that because it's not. There's never a simple look. If it was always simple and easy, we wouldn't have nine million interpretations in two thousand years of church history, would we? Right, this is what they have to say. I grew up in a Christian environment where preachers would sometimes say, "God said it. I believe it. That settles it." Once I even heard a teacher assert that there's no such thing as a hard passage in the Bible. We might chuckle as at such a view, yet some Christians assume that Scripture's perspicuity implies that its interpretation should be straightforward, all right? And we've talked about the perspicuity uh, of Scripture. We've talked about that before. I have some issues with that concept, but um, yeah, they go on to say, but the Bible isn't a pocket dictionary for faith and practice. In his word, God has spoken through complex narrative and poetic philosophy. He's recorded commands complete with rationale, motivation, and explanation. He's provided principles, then called us to thoughtful application and situational wisdom. That's why he's given us minds for thinking, uh, for thinking, pastors for teaching, a community for learning, and this one I have major issues with, the spirit for illuminating. These good gifts would be, uh, would be, uh, are, 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 if would be, I, I, I mean, make this. These good gifts 
uh, would not be needed if God's words to us was always clear, right? So these good gifts of, let me go through these, uh, a mind for thinking, pastors for teaching, a community for learning, the spirit for illuminating, these gifts would not be necessary if God's word to us was always clear. But by its own admission, it simply isn't the case. Second Peter 3.16 talks about it not being easy and easy to understand, and that some people who are unlearned can take the Bible and twist it to their own destruction because there's hard things in it. So I do believe it is a bad idea to assume that the interpretation is simple. That is a bad idea. And there, there's a concept that goes with it, but I'm not going to mention it right now. There's not, I'm not going to mention it right now. So let's go through these. Number one, wrong way to approach difficulties in the Bible. Relying on things in the past. Don't rely on any past understanding. Number two, avoiding the text, right? Avoiding the text just by skipping it. Avoiding the text by uh, all, all the other different ways we talked about avoiding the text, right? Just, just don't avoid it, okay? And all the different ways people do that. I, I just, uh, yeah, we, we can, I, I could go back through all of them. Exaggerate their significance, exaggerate their significance. And then number three or number four, assume correct interpretation is simple. All right. That's all I wanted to do here is just kind of just give you a hint, right? Just give you a hint, just give you a hint of some concepts here. And then we can really flesh these out. Maybe tomorrow afternoon, we can really come back to this and really work this out and really flesh this out because I think we can really develop a good kind of some good principles here from this. But there, put it this way, there's a right way to handle the Bible and there's a wrong way. And some, on all of these principles are, are that we just looked at are, are all wrong. They're all, they're, it's all incorrect and it's all wrong. And we've got to avoid these ways so that we can rightly divide the word of truth. All right, I'll stop there, see if anyone, because it's already 10.09 and some people where they live, it's already 11.09. Uh, so, I don't want to just, yeah, I, I, I want people to have something to think about. And I guess the most important thing is, and I think you have, this, is, this is just key, as a Christian, as you continue to learn and as you continue to grow, you need to acknowledge and figure out how you are handling the scriptures in an incorrect way. Look, we all, we always, we're always improving. There's plenty of things I did in the past that I realized was foolish ways of handling it. We always need to be willing to acknowledge, I don't know if I'm handling this the correct way, and then change, change, and and move forward and grow and, and become better at what we are doing, all right? So relying on the past, avoiding hard text, exaggerating their significance, assuming correct interpretation is simple. Now, I know I, I was going to go back and review every point, but I'll just stop right there. Okay. There you go. And if anyone took good notes who are part of the Discord channel, I, I want a screenshot of the, of the notes in the Discord channel. Okay. One, it'll be good for everyone else. And two, then I'll just have your notes when next time we do review. <laughs> You're helping me out there. All right. We'll stop there. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful night. Thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully the things we did today were beneficial. And, uh, well, everyone have a great night. God bless.